Okay, good morning everyone. <coughs> Welcome again to our uh, breakfast presentation, Baruch Hashem, of this year's trip. We'd like to first thank our sponsor, and that is the Netanel family, Lila Nishmas, Avram Ben There were a lot of people who wanted to be part of a conglomerate of sponsorship, but uh, the Netanels took the whole sponsorship, so Bez Hashem for... Um, future things, uh, Bez Hashem, you will have opportunity for continued sponsorship. So thank you to them, and thank you to everyone who was Mishdatev, especially. We keep on getting some sponsorships from some Ukrainian ambassador. I don't know who it is, but we thank him too. We're not going to the Ukraine. Okay. Um, all right. We, okay, so this trip we started off on Shivasar Batamas. We drove to Toronto on the fast day, and we took a flight from Toronto and uh, landed here in Frankfurt. Just to give you an idea, here's Germany, uh, here's Hamburg, here's Berlin. Germany is a big place. So we're in the south here of uh, Germany, which is Frankfurt. Just to remember from last year, we were here in Prague and in Slovakia and in Budapest and Pressburg um, and further over east to, uh, to um, Hungary last year and the year before. Here's Poland, Krakow, Warsaw, etc. So just to put things into perspective where we are. So we were, um, so we flew into Frankfurt. Again, it was on the Tynus. We broke our fast on the uh, flight, um, f- trying to figure out the Zmanim. As it turned out, um, we happened to notice it never really got nighttime. It went straight from dusk to dawn. So we're not exactly sure if we ever finished the Tynus yet. Um, and we still, we actually spoke to the pilot the next morning, and he said, "Yes, usually for about 10 minutes it's dark, but last night it was not. It never got dark." So, anyways, we landed in Frankfurt six o'clock in the morning. Um, one of our members coming from Montreal was delayed. We went straight away to Davin. Shacharis in the shul in Frankfurt. I think it's the only remaining shul in Frankfurt. It was used by the Nazis, I think, as some type of headquarters, so that's why it remained um, uh, intact. You can't see, but over here, there's a, over here there's a police guard that stands there the entire time to let you, w- uh, let you in, and even to get in, it's a whole gated system and things like that. We daven their shachris. Um, we daven in the small shul. The small shul davens snusach uh, svard. You'd be surprised. Here you are in Yaki land, and they daven svard. And the reason is because there's really no Yakis left in Germany. They're mostly Polishers, some Romanians, Israelis. So they daven nusach svard. We davened over there. But this is the main shul on Shabbos, the main shul, which davens Ashkenaz. We just went to take a look. You see the balcony over there. It's a nice, beautiful shul. Um, this is outside where they wash their hands in the chutzer. You can see over here it's all gated in. And again, even to get out, if I remember correctly, you needed to push some type of code and something to get out. There's a lot of security over there. But it was a nice size minion. We dove in there, and um, that, was, uh, that was that. So then... Then we were looking, someone asked, what did we eat there? So we were being saimich that the uh, grocery would have stuff to eat there. So we went right after davening to the grocery, and the grocery guys were on vacation for two weeks. So that was the end of the food. Now we were, again, we arrived 6 o'clock in the morning. We only had that day. We had a 7 o'clock flight that night out. So um, we went first to the old Jewish cemetery in Frankfurt, oldest uh, preserved Jewish burying place in Frankfurt, uh, from 1272 till 1828, whatever it says over here. So this was the old Jewish cemetery. Now the outside of the old Jewish cemetery, as you saw, as you saw here, you could see it on the on the top. 
and you'll see it again over here. The whole wall around the cemetery has these little plaques with people's names on them. You see them. This is the whole wall, and it's a memorial, and you can see, whoops, sorry about that. Um, and it's a memorial to people who were killed. It says their names. Um, it says here, I guess, when they were born. They don't know when this person died, and it was in Auschwitz. So just to, to see, and it goes all around. It's gigantic, all around all these names, hundreds, probably maybe more, um, names, and this is a memorial for um, for uh, the Yidin, I guess, in Frankfurt, who were killed in different places throughout the Holocaust. Um, since it was Monday, Monday the museum is closed, and the museum has the keys to this cemetery, and uh, we couldn't get in. So they told us that the keys are by the new Jewish cemetery. So from there we went to the new Jewish cemetery. This is the new Jewish cemetery. This is the entrance over here. Yavai Bishalom, Yenucham, Ishkevaitzam. And in there is the Staliner, you know what, Davi, by my seat is a paper, it has some, a whole bunch of stuff on it. It's one of the Staliner Rebbe's, thank you, um, who was Nifter, here you can see it says, um, on Rosh Hashanah, which is 1921, he's called the Yanuka because he became Rebbe when he was like six years old. The Staliner's, um, in, in the Stalners don't call him the Nuka, they call him the Frankfurter because he's buried in Frankfurt. I think it's because he was Nifter in Frankfurt. The Stalners have a thing, wherever the Rebbe is Nifter, they bury him right there. That's why there's one in Detroit, and so on and so forth. So we went, uh, so this is the new Jewish cemetery where the uh, Frankfurter, the Stalner is. And here is Rav Shamshim Rafal Hirsch. Rav Shamshim Rafal Hirsch, who was Nifter, lived from 1808 to 1888. Now, um, some of you might remember this from uh, like three, four years ago when I went the first time. So I, I don't think I have a picture of it here, but the cemetery is divided by a wall because Rav Shamshim Falharsh was fighting against the reform, and when he became the Rav in Frankfurt, I think like there were only like twelve from mishpachas. So he said, not only we're so separate from them, we're not even going to be buried with them. And he put up a brick wall straight down the the uh, cemetery, and this side is the reform, and the rest of it is going to be us. And you, when you look at how many people are buried there and what a kehila he built up, you see how successful. Um, Rip Sham Shafal Hirsch was. Now already the, the wall's broken down and you can get through, but there's remnants of it to see what he, uh, Rip Sham Shafal Hirsch, accomplished. Well, um, as we were here davening here, um, our Montreal friend came here, Rabbi Eisenstark, Ben Eisenstark, and um, the keys in the new, we went to look again, we're looking for the keys for the old cemetery, and uh, they're not there. Someone had taken them, nobody knows who. And this is the way it is in Europe. There's like one set of keys to the cemetery. If someone takes it for the day, nobody knows where it is. So it was very disappointing. We couldn't get into the old cemetery, but we'll come back to it at the end of the trip, as we'll see with Ashkaka Bratis. But um, it was a little disappointing that we weren't able to get in. But again, we were on a very you know, uh, uh, tight time scale, so we had to move. So from there, from Frankfurt, just to show you where we're going to go over here, we are going to go to Michelstadt, to Worms, to Mainz and back up to Frankfurt in the day. So we're making a circle here. So from there we drove from Frankfurt to Michelstadt, about an hour and 20 minutes as you could see. And as you could see here, there's on the road, there's his name is called the Baal Shem of Michelstadt. There's even a, uh, an arrow here on the street sign to go towards the Baal Shem. And we came to the Baal Shem of Michelstadt. So here's the Baal Shem of Michelstadt. And it says Baal Shem of Michelstadt. His name was Rebitzakarye. They used to call him Zekel Leib. That was his nickname, and that's what you see here on this one. It also says Zekel Varmzer, because since, even though he's here in Michelstadt, but he was from Worms. And um, 
Rav of Michelstadt and of the whole uh, area. And um, this is his kever here. This is his kever. A lot of people come to Davin. And it says on the... What? Oh, so for the boys, just to understand, a lot of people, there's a minute when the person goes to a kever, as they leave, you put a stone down to show, show you were there. And it's, uh, it's like part of the tefillah of davening at a kever. And a lot of people write kvitlach with names of people to put by the kever so that when they daven at the kever, you don't daven to a dead person, even a tzaddik. You daven to Hashem in the schus of the tzaddik that he should be makabu your tefillahs. So over here, just to know who he was, it says here, Noilad lefiyah mesairis al pigil elio. I don't know what that story is. Some type of mesaira. Um, he was a fifth dar to the Baal Shem, Rebeliyo Baal Shem of Worms, Vermeiza. We'll see him soon. Um, to the Mishpach of Luria, who comes from the Marshal. We were at the Marshal in Lublin. Um, Rabbi Yaisalman Rosheim. That's, uh, you know, doesn't Marcus Lehman have a book, Jocelyn of Rosheim or something? Anyone know? Right? I think it's it. Rabbeinu Yaisalman of Rosheim. Lamayla Bakaydish Ad Rashi. And Rabbeinu said that uh, if you go to his kever, it's, he'll, he'll help you. And he was well known, the first Mephis that he did. See, not everyone's called a Baal Shem. Baal Shem is only for like, people who really were, uh, there's a few that get the name Baal Shem of people who do uh, Mephisim. His first thing was he cured someone who had a mental illness who was crazy. And um, that was like his first thing. I think he ended up marrying the lady's daughter in a second zivug. And uh, he became known at least uh, as, a, as a big Baal Mephis because of that. He was a big, big part. He didn't eat a lot. He ate very, very little. Um, okay, so that's the Baal Shem of Milchestat. Then we went looking for his house. This is his house. And you could see that, if you could see here, this, uh, this sign over here, is what we're, this little sign here, is what we're going to see. And it says over here, S.L. Wormser, that was him. He lived in this house. What it is now, I don't know. But uh, this is the house. They have a plaque for him. Okay, after Michelstadt, we headed towards here till Worms, an hour and change to Worms. Um, now, we mentioned this on Tishabov. You remember it's called Shum. The three Rhineland cities are um, Spira, Speyer, Vermeiser, Worms, and Magentia is, is Mainz. We say it in the Kina, in uh, Tishabov. We talked about it. So, throughout the area, you have these signs of Shum. Now this is called Synagogue in Platz. This is the uh, synagogue place and street. We're going to get a sign out front here as well. Um, and this is it. This is a so-called Rashi Shul in Worms. Supposedly Rashi um, learned here, taught here. Not exactly sure, but this is called Rashi Shul. Um, if you look at the Rashi, see, this is the Shul. Anyone have Rashi wine? See, look, look familiar? Look familiar? <laughs> Except I don't think in the, if you read the words, it doesn't say anything about worms. It's busy with Troy and things like that. But anyway, it's just, just it's a familiar house. Um, now, the truth is it was destroyed totally in the war, and they rebuilt it from the stones of, um, from the original stones. And here's a, uh, here is a uh, picture. It says, uh, it's, it's cut off out the synagogue. This is the old synagogue here in, uh, in Worms, and it says a whole bunch of stuff here of when it was... Um, when it was uh, when it was made um, okay this is the inside of the show recreated it's like a shtuka museum now people come in and out I'm not sure it's used this is a bigger picture inside the show um, now and there's a side room there that was called the study hall supposedly Rashi taught here and supposedly that's Rashi's chair um, I can't tell you if it is or not here's a closer picture of it it's a big wooden chair and supposedly Rashi taught here in this uh, little side bismedrish. Um, 
Then behind it is the mikvah and worms from the years 1100, 1185, 1186, as you see. Um, and... Um, we couldn't get in because it's under construction. This is down here, the mikvah. I guess they're re-renovating it a bit to people to go in, but um, this is an old mikvah here in the shul in Worms. Um, this is the Judengas. This is the, uh, you know, the Jewish street over here. Um, you could see it, the narrow street um, in the, from the olden days of the old city here in Worms. We didn't see it somewhere in this, uh, in one of these little streets here is the supposed legend that uh, Rashi's mother was pregnant with him and a big uh, cart was coming by and about to kill her and she pushed herself up against the wall and the wall indented in to save her. There's somewhere here an indentation. We didn't see it. Other people, you can find it online if you're interested. If it ever happened, it did happen. I don't know. Um, if it's the same wall, it's hard to believe. 800 years later, it's still there. But that's part of the tour if you spend more times here in Worms. But again, we were always in a rush. Um, okay. Now we go to the old Jewish cemetery in words, which you can see it's called Der Heilige Sand. It's called the Holy Sand, the Holy Dirt. That's, it's a famous name for this cemetery in, uh, in, in Europe. Now on this sign it says over here, the, this uh, place is the Alster Judenfreiheit of Europe, the oldest cemetery in Europe. Um, it's not necessarily the oldest cemetery in Europe. Because as we'll see, it could be, Mainz, I think, was older. This morning I messaged our guide, Yaakov Schwab, asked him which is the oldest cemetery. He said, Mainz. So I said, how do you read this sign? So he told me, it says here it's the oldest. He says, everyone wants to be the oldest. That's the way it works in Europe. So you put up a sign, you're the oldest. It doesn't mean anything. So, but that's what it says over here. The mice, it's pretty old. It's pretty old over here, 1076 to 1911. So you're talking about a long time ago, almost a thousand years ago, um, that this, this cemetery was used. Um, and again, here you could see a little bit closer. Again, they're Heiligesan. This is what they call it. And... Um, and that's uh, just a map of the cemetery. What's famous over here is the, the cavern of the Marame Rutenberg and Rabbi Alexander next to each other. As we'll say in a moment, here you can see it's Rabbon Meir ben Rabbaruch, that's the Marame Rutenberg. And this is Rabbi Alexander, you can see over here Alexander. Um, and this is the famous story, the Marame Rutenberg was trying to leave Germany to go to Eretz Yisrael. There was a, a, a law, you're not allowed to leave because the king, I forgot his name, Leopold, one of these German names, Rudolf, one of them, um, said you can't do such a thing. And he got caught and he was thrown in jail. And he was there for seven years, and he told Klai so they can't redeem him because it's just going to make, um, you know, the guy want to kidnap Morab on him. He was there for seven years. He wrote Svarim there. He chuvas there. His Talmud, the Rush, used to come to him. And after he was Nifter, they didn't free his body for another seven years. So he was there 14 years in Tfisa. This Rebbe Alexander, you know, said enough is enough. And he bribed the guards or whatever it was, and he redeemed him. And he asked to be buried next to the Maram Rutenberg as a schar for that. And here he is buried next to the Maram Rutenberg. Rebrevda, I said the story to the boys at Kalnam. Rebrevda used to say that there's a Messiah that the Maram Rutenberg came to him in a dream and offered him a choice either to be next to him in Gan Eden, but if that happens, he has to die immediately the next morning, or to have Ashirus Muflegis, to have unbelievable riches for him and his family at Saif Kala until the end of all time. And he chose to be in Gan Eden. He was Takanifter the next day. That's the, I can't tell you what it says on the Mateva. But and, uh, it seems he came to someone in a dream and told him this whole story why he was Nifter the next day. But Lamaisa, they're buried right next to each other over here 
in uh, what's it called? Now the Marama Rutenberg, just to understand, he was Nifter in 1293. So that's the years that we're talking about um, over here. Um, the ne- okay, this picture we saw. The next one is the Chavis Yoyer. Reb Chaim Bachrach was a Rav in uh, what's it called as well, in Worms as well. He was Nifter in 1702 and he was from the Gedoyle Yisrael of um, Europe. He was a grandson of the Mar- of the Marami Prague. Um, he was Mamala Mokam, his father, Ramesha Shimshan, who was also a Rav in Worms, who's buried right next to him, or he's next to his father, I should say. Um, this is the cavern of the Maril. The Maril lived, it was nifted in 1427. The Maril, um, all, all Minhage Ashkenaz we get from the Maril. So all our Minhagim, you ever, if you learn, you'll see the Ramah all the time in parentheses, after his halacha always quotes the Maril. The Maril, he wrote Svarm about Seder Atzvila and Yom Tif. All our Minhagim come from the Maril. And he was a Rav in Worms. And this is his... Matzeva here, at least part of it, uh, you could see Yaakov ben Rav Moshe, that was his name, that was the, uh, the Maril. Um, this, if you remember, this is Rebbe Leol Baal Shem, we said before from the Baal Shem of Michelstadt that he was a fifth generation from Rebbe Eliyahu Baal Shem, he was Nifter in Shin Sadi Aleph, so it's some 400, almost 400 years ago, um, and... Um, that is Rabbi Leol Baal Shem. Again, he must have been a big Baal Mephis because not too many people get the name Baal Shem. Okay, again, like we've seen throughout Europe, if you've been coming to these presentations, after the war, they took a lot of Matsevas and they put them in the wall as uh, just, you know, they didn't know where they went. Um, but, uh, okay, I didn't, we didn't, I didn't have a picture here, but Lemaisa, just to, in this base Akvaris, there's a lot of, um, a lot of uh, Matsevas that are still Kayim. In other words, it's not totally destroyed. There are a lot of a lot of the kvarim are still um, still intact. But again, a lot are not. Okay, from there we went from Worms, we drove up to Mainz, to Magentia, forty minute drive. Again, remember we started here, Frankfurt, to wherever Michelstadt was, down here somewhere, Michelstadt's here, to Worms, and we're back up to Mainz. We came to Mainz. Mainz is the should be the oldest um, uh, Beis Akvaris in Europe from the 900s, as we'll see in a moment. But as you see, there's mamish nothing here. There's like a couple of matzevas. These matzevas are lavdafk in the place where the person was nifted. They were put up after, you know, destruction and things like that. It's a big place. Um, Baruch Hashem, we could not get the key again because it's already a minute that we have to jump a fence at least once a trip. And this fence, we had to jump, jump as well. The reason we didn't jump the fence in Frankfurt, by the way, is because Frankfurt, there's cameras there. It's the middle of a city. You don't want to jump there. Now, this is like old, some hick town somewhere. You know, it's not the end of the world. Um, so, um, so here's this. So over here you have Rabbeinu Gershom Aragayla. This is the Kev Rabbeinu Gershom. Rabbeinu Gershom was Nifter in 1040. He lived from 960 to 1040. Anyone who's learning Daf Yaimi? Every side of the page, Rabbeinu Gershom and Masech Tekrisas is there on every single daf. This is Rabbeinu Gershom Aragayla. You can see it says Gershom here. Um, I can find that. It's there. There's the three big kvarim have uh, little uh, candle boxes next to it. You know, you know it's someone big if there's a candle box to light candles in. The other one here, the next one is Rabbeinu Mishulam ben Reb Kleinimus. You might remember Reb Kleinimus from... From the Crusades, we talked about in Tishabov, this is not him. Kleinimus was a very common name. Rav Meshulam Ben Kleinimus is the Python who wrote the Payet, and we say on Yom Kippur, the Avoida 
of Oymitz Koyach, the one Ashkenaz says, he's the author of that, um, of that, um, of that piyot, exactly when he lives, nobody knows, 10th, 11th century, no one knows exactly what his, uh, his, when he lived, but in that neighborhood. The other one here, you can see a little box here, we knew it was someone big, but we did not know who it was. I found that afterwards, it was Reb Yaakov ben Reb Yoker. Once, see, once you know how to read what you're looking for, you could read the stones. But if you, here it says Yoker, you could see yeah, Kov Yaakov a little bit here, Yaakov ben Reb Yoker. This was Rashi's Rebbe. The Rabbi of Rashi was Nifter in 1064. He was a Talmud. He was a Talmud of Rabbeinu Gershom, and he was the Rabbi of Rashi. Whenever Rashi says Meir Rabbi, and he doesn't say who, it's the Rebar Yoker. Rabbi Yaakov Yoker has a Pirush on Tefillah as well. So that is um, that was his cover. Those are the three big farm over there. And again, just because uh, the truth is, to be honest, just because the Matzev is here is Lavdavka, that's exactly where the cover was. Um, this is, I just took a picture, you know, this is the Rhine River. When we talk about the Rhine, if we go back to our, uh, where's the map here? Um, here's our map, so where's the Rhine? This is the Rhine River over here, see Rhine River, the Rhine River. And the Rhine River goes all the way down, and that's where Worms is, and Mainz is up here, and further up wherever Spire is, and that's, this is called the Rhineland, and that river, it looks... Like it's full of blue water, but this is all full of red blood of Klai Yisrael. We talked about this on Tisha B'Av, especially in, I think in, I think it was Mainz, one of the places, they actually were on the banks of the river that all Klai Yisrael, they shechted each other, they all killed each other in order not to fall in the hands of the Goyim, of the Crusaders, and this is uh, the Rhine River. As nice as it looks, it's full of Yiddish blood. Okay, so we went to the airport, Baruch Hashem, our flight was delayed. Baruch Hashem, our flight, which was supposed to be fully empty. At the last minute, the Belarusian national basketball team booked, overbooked the flight. <laughs> they were looking. It's not a joke. Uh, it's serious. <laughs> these guys are like big guys. Boys and girls. I mean, these are big people. And it was overbooked. They were looking people to be bumped. There's a whole mice about how I got an exit seat, but we don't have to say it now. Um, but... Um, Okay, so we flew from Frankfurt to Minsk, just to put, Minsk is in the country of Belarus. Belarus is the last communist country around, like the old USSR, just to put, uh, again, to realize here's Czech, Slovakia, just Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, put things into perspective of where we're going. Two hour and ten minutes, and you lose an hour because you change time zones. Again, here's just a picture, here's Minsk, here's Belarus. We're going to be focusing on these three countries now, Belarus, Lithuania, Vilna, Kovna, as you see, Latvia. Um, those of you remember from my first trip, here's uh, Kaliningrad, um, where Vistral Salanter is. Okay, so we landed in Minsk. Again, I forgot, this is Monday night. So we landed in Minsk Monday night. We got to the hotel. The airport from, is about an hour out of the city of Minsk. We got to the hotel. I had arranged for food from, again, we hadn't eaten much. Um, we had um, for food from a camp that's outside of Minsk, um, forgot what it's called, something Yisrael, uh, a Stalner camp, and they delivered food to us about quarter to one in the morning, and uh, that was it. So the next morning, Tuesday morning, we drove from Minsk to Mir, an hour and ten minutes, a little bit south. Um, and here you see Baranovich, we didn't go this south, so for just familiar cities, Slutsk, um, Grodna, Ribshim and Shkup, you know, these are just familiar names in... Uh, in our lexicon. Okay, here's the Mir Yeshiva building. Some of you might remember it from a few years back. 
Um, inside is a post office and some other types of stuff there. Um, there's a couple new things since I was there last time. They have now a plaque on the wall that says the famous Mir Yeshiva was in this building, over 500 students from all over the place studied here. They have it in, in English, Hebrew, and in uh, Belarusian. It's Russian? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> to me, it's all the same. I don't know the alphabet. I can't figure it out. This is another thing. There's a plaque on the wall to, uh, what's his name, Sugahari, the guy who, ga- Sugahari, the guy who gave all the um, visas to the Mir Yeshiva that they were able to go to China to, and to Japan. He was the guy in Kovno, gave all the visas. So now there's a plaque on the wall um, thanking him. It says he saved, what does it say here, 6,000 Jews from the death during the Holocaust by giving out all those, uh, all those things. Um, now, this is another thing that's new, is that they sell uh, mere souvenirs now in the post office. So you could buy this thing here. It's, I know it's on a... Could I rotate? All right. Okay. If I could rotate it, whatever it is. We, were, we wanted actually to send it... Some guys wanted to send it back to their kids, but the credit cards weren't working and whatever. Well, don't ask. Anyways, Shiva Smir Shalayim. Here's it in Polish. And there's... Uh, all different. Here's here's an envelope you could send. It has a picture of the mirror again. Mirror Shalim. They're making money. They have framed pictures of the mirror. They only have one of them. So like you know, if you bought it, that's it. You got it. But um, that's the way it is over in that country. So like I said. So anyways, so that is stuff they sell. This is the mirror base Akvaris. Mirror base Akvaris. Um, this is the entrance to it. Um, those of you who are following a certain serial story in the Mishpacha, this picture was here every week. Um, Okay, this is now, um, this is the cover of Ribiruchim. Those of you who remember that I was there last time, this is a new Matseva. Um, last time it was not like this. They, a lot was redone since I was there last time. Rabbani Yerucham Halevi Levavitz. And there's a Zikaran to his son and to the grandchildren who were killed in the war. Um, last time, if I remember correctly, it was just this platform. I don't think even the bottom platform was there. Now you'll notice it's over here, it's all mode. Last time it was not. The grass was like two feet high and the only way to get to the cover there was one um, path that was mowed through the grass and that's how you and around the cover. That was it. Now it's been cleaned up. This is Yerucham here and you could see there's actually a stone path to walk now. The place is all cleaned up. At least this half. You see in the back here this is still all full of grass but they're trying to stand up. You can see they're standing up a lot of the matzevas now. Someone's doing it. They're actually digging out. You can see in this picture they're digging out some of the matzevas. There's another picture. They dug around it. They didn't move it but at least it's not stuck in the ground. When I was there the first time, you were walking through, you're just walking through Matzevis uh, on top of them. So it was a little bit different than cleaned up this time around. From here, now we went, again, we started in Minsk, we're now going up to Valozhin. Valozhin is an hour north and change. Go to Valozhin. This is the Valozhiner Yeshiva um, Bismedrish. It was locked, but through the window you could see all there's there is just a table and chairs. Um, a few years ago, Reminiscent Kaplan made a summer camp yeshiva in Valozhin. The Bachram came here for two, three weeks. They learned in Valozhin yeshiva. Um, it's not even a big place. When you think about Valozhin, it was gigantic. I mean, it doesn't even look like such a big building, but it is what it is. This is on the wall here. This was here last time as well. The Yeshiva Yitzchayim of Reb Chaim Valozhiner, Ema Yeshivas. Um, what does it say here? Became a model for all religious schools, so on and so forth, whoever wrote this. Um, it was, okay, in the year 1803 is when Reb Chaim founded um, Velozhin Yeshiva. This is the cover of Reb Chaim Last time I was there was about 
12.30 in the morning, 1 o'clock in the morning, it was much darker. But this is the Tzion of Reb Chaim um, who actually Reb Chaim was Nifter in the year um, 1821. He was actually born in 1749 on the second day of Shavuos, which was the day that Avram ben Avram was killed, Al-Kiddush Hashem. Um, they say that, uh, you know, it's just, I don't know, coincidence, not a coincidence, that such a Halig and Neshama came into the world on that, um, on that day. So this is Rechaim Lajah. There's other Kvarim here. I'm not sure who they are. There's no names on them. It's not his son, Rebitzel, who took over because he's buried somewhere else. It might be one of his sons-in-laws. Um, there's four other kvarim in this thing. Now this is the base aquarist to look at it. Look how high the grass is here. To get this this over here, that this this matzeva here, that's what you're seeing. Um, that's this. That's this matzeva from afar. So it, you have to walk through this tall, tall grass, walking all over matzeva. This is a very big base aquarist, but totally overgrown. At least it has a wall around it, but totally, totally overgrown. This is it. Overgrown totally. This is what you have to walk through um, to get to Reb Chaim You see every once in a while a little Matzeva standing up, but it's, uh, it's a real churban over there. This is an interesting thing over here. This is the Matzeva of the father of Reb Michal Yehuda Lefkowitz, the Rashiva Panovich. They must, someone must have found it. This wasn't here. I can't, uh, truth is, I don't know if it was here last time because it was pitch black. I couldn't see anything. But Reb Moshe Lefkowitz, they found this. This is the original Matzeva. And then someone put it on a whole pedestal here. Reb Michal Yehuda's father was Nifta, I think, in like 1933 or something. Um, he was Remichel Yehuda, Rashiv Panovich. His, his father was 80 when he was born. It was like a Zivik Shani. So he was very old. So he was, he was a Valajaner, and I guess someone located the Matseva and put this up. So this is, you can see, Lefkovitz. So this is one of the few Matsevas you could see, but look how high the grass is. I mean, this, this thing is pretty tall, and uh, the grass is pretty tall as well. So that was Valajin, um, pretty sad place to be. From Valajin we drove, here we're going um, uh, west, again here's Minsk, west to Radin. About an hour and almost two hours to get to Radin, to get to the Chavetz Chaim. But first we came to the, to the, uh, the, the yeshiva. The yeshiva has been bought back. The first time I was there was a cultural, um, it was a local cultural building where they showed movies and stuff. And it's been bought back by somebody. And it's, there's a big sign, Bruchem Abayim, to the yeshiva of the Chavetz Chaim. This is the building here. This, this thing is also new that says also that's the yeshiva of the Chavetz Chaim. Um, and from there we then went to the Beis Akvaris in Radin. Um, this whole thing is brand new from the last time I was there. Last time I was there was also, last time I was there was also 10, 11 o'clock at night. It was pitch black, but this is a new, um, a new fence um, that was put up. And this house over here is now the Chavetz Chaim, as we'll see, his kever is in this house. Last time I was there, this was not here. There was a gazebo, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't this, this house. I'm not sure what the point of this thing was, but now this, as you can see, just follow this line, this is a gigantic base Kfaris, and look, this, these are all Kfarim, we don't know what they are and who they are, there are a couple Matsevas here, but this is all Kfarim, and this is how it is in, uh, in these places, unfortunately. Um, this is the entrance into the base Kfaris, so you see the, uh, and this thing is some type of artistic thing, and if you, uh, no? If this it's a mug and David, if you're standing under it again, look again. This thing up here, 
this thing up here, when you go inside and stand on there, look up, so you see it's a mug and dove. That's a, some piece of artwork that someone made here as the entrance. In the Beis HaKvaris is there is a mass grave of Yidin who were never killed, 2,130 Yidin. They were killed in the Beis HaKvaris, 1942. Um, there's a Matseva for them, and you could, this is the Matseva that we just read. And there's a fence actually around it. It's called the Kevarachim. This is where the Jews were killed. You see the mound over here. And a um, very big area. Um, outside of the Chavetz Chaim's building is the Kever of Rav Naftali Trup, the Granat, who was the Rashiva in, in uh, Radin. He was Nifter in 1928. Um, those boys, when you get to Yeshiva, you'll be for sure learning his Svarim, the Granat is a uh, very uh, staple in the yeshiva world. Um, next to him is Rav Feivelson. Some of the adults here might remember Rav Shmuel Feivelson from Tzvas. He used to come collecting, long beard. He's not, I, I think he's still alive, um, but he's for sure not well. So this is his father. His father's kever is here in Radin. Also, um, as we're getting closer to the Chavetz Chaim's building, the next one here is, again, you see one of these boxes, is Ramosha Lindinsky. Here's a better picture. Ramosha Lindinsky was also, he was a Talmud of Alajan. He was a, a uh, Talmud of the Nitziv. He was also Rashiva in Radin, before Reb Naftali. Then Reb Naftali became Rosh Hashiva and displaced him. I don't say replaced him, displaced him. But he took a back seat. Ramosha was a very big honor. He took a back seat. Again, Reb Naftali was Nifter in 1928. He became Rosh Hashiva again, Ramosha, and he was Nifter in 1938. Very simple Matseva. I don't know why, what, and when. Very simple. His son was a Rosh Hashiva in England. Mr. Itzinger learned in his yeshiva. I forgot his first name, uh, Rev Lindinsky. But um, he was a... Uh, he was the Shiva in England. So this is Ramosha Lindinsky. And then, again, just to put in perspective, here's the Chavetz Chaim. Right over here, is, this is the granat from the back. This was Revivalson. This is Ramosha Lindinsky. And then you go into the building and you get to see the Chavetz Chaim's kever here. It's mamish right by the wall because, because when there was no building here, Right here, by these windows, was the Chavetz Chaim. There were five kvarim in a row. That's what it was. There were four kvarim in a row. So it's right at the end over here. You see Yisrael Meir, Yisrael Meir, Mechaber Svar, Mufursam, Chavetz Chaim, Shemir Salachan, so on and so forth. Um, the Chavetz Chaim was Nifter in 1933. Okay. Um, from there, we had to now cross the border out of... Again, it's still Tuesday, as far as I remember. And... Um, we had to go from Radin to Vilna. Um, here's the border of... Where are we over here? Around over here. I, uh, um, here. This is the border of, of, um, of Belarus into Lithuania. And if you remember last trip from three, four years ago, borders, especially getting out of Belarus, are not easy. Um, so it took a half hour to get to the border, and it only took an hour to get over the border, and we were like the first in line. So yeah, every five minutes you have to stop, turn off the car, show your papers, do another thing, drive another three feet, turn off your car, go again. Now next to us there was a line that was about, how many miles long was it, of trucks? Six miles long of trucks trying to get into Lithuania. They were going to be there for a couple days as they're waiting in line. I mean, it was not normal. Six, well, they, were, they were barbecuing outside. They, the guys were just sitting there, they have nothing to do. They're going to be there for at least three days just trying to get over the border. Baruch Hashem, we had a car and not a, a truck. So it only took us an hour. They actually, we had one of this uh, lady at the border, we came to customs finally. Um, she, uh, she took one look at the van, unload all the luggage, everything. 
just take it all out. Take it all out. Every suitcase, we had to like unzipper it, and she looked quickly inside. Okay, it was just to make us nuts. Because if she really would have looked, she would have found all the beef jerky and the wine and all the other stuff. <laughs> but she wasn't really looking, Baruch Hashem. And um, so it only took an hour to get through. Now, just to know, understand what type of country Belarus is, the old communist countries, you know, um, when we got to the border, they asked, we had a, Belaru- we had a Russian driver driving us. The, the, the people at the border asked him, he says, those, those, oh, I didn't say. When we were in Radin, we met um, about three buses of French Yidin, men, women, children, Rosh Hashivas, Rabbanim, who had come, they had made a big charity campaign for themselves, and they raised a lot of money for the yeshiva over there in France, who had the miyasa, the yeshiva's Tam of the and they made a trip to Radin to daven at the Chavetz Chaim's kever. And we met them there, when we got there, they were davening, they said tefillahs ashla, they said this tefillahs, that tefillahs, we said some with them. When we were by the Chavetz Chaim's kever, they finally moved out, I just forgot to say, we were there, we made a siyam on Sefer Chavetz Chaim. A lot of us had learned it over the few months before as a preparation to go there. So we made a, a siyam on Sefer Chavetz Chaim and we spoke about the Chavetz Chaim there. So there was like these three, four buses there full of Jews. Now they were not going over into Lithuania. They were going back to Minsk and flying home. But at the border, they asked us, are those three buses that are in Radin now coming here? Okay, that means they knew at the border that in Radin there were three buses of Jews. All right, that's it. That's it was, and they said that's normal. It's not very normal. That's the way it goes. You, you sneeze, they say, Gesundheit, 10 miles away. You know what I mean? That's just the way it is. That's the old, uh, you know... You guys could tell us a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, Rafal. But anyway, so we, we were, you know, we were happy they let us out. So we got to Vilna about 9 o'clock at night, Tuesday night, and um, that's, uh, that was Tuesday night. Okay, here we have a getting into Vilnius, Vilnius. Okay, the next morning, Wednesday morning, we, okay, just to see where we are. Here's Vilna. Um, here's Kavna, just to know some, uh, here's Panovich, for those of you, here's Tells, for those of you uh, who are Tellsers. Um, okay, so now we're going up to the country called Latvia, so we're going from Vilna to, how do you pronounce this, anyone know? Okay, me neither. But anyways, we call it Dvinsk. We call it Dvinsk. Um, we're going up to Dvinsk, it's about a three hour drive from Vilna, two and a half hours from Vilna into Latvia, I think we have over here, here's, uh, as we enter Latvia, it's like going from, you know, Ohio to Pennsylvania, from country to country, European Union, to Latvia, and um, this is the river, so now the reason it was called Dvinsk is because in those days the name of the river was um, Dvin something or another, that's the way it was named after the river. Now that the river is named something else, the city's called Dog for Pills, whatever you call it. It's just whatever the name of the river is. We'll talk about this river in a minute, in a minute because there's a famous Mephis with Rameir Simcha from Dvinsk at this river, but this is the river. Um, this is the cavern, it took us a while to find it. Um, Rameir Simcha and the Ragged Shover, they were moved from the old Beis Akvaris. The way the Russians, when the Russians came in to all these places, what they did was they destroyed all the Batik Akvaris. And that's why in Vilna and all these places, the Gedalim were moved over. Now the Russians claimed that they were going to build things in these places. They never built anything in any of these places. They were just doing Gekilu to destroy the Jewish um, cemeteries. That was their Matara. So um, the, the cavern of Rameir Simcha, as we'll see in a moment, and the, this Rameir Simcha and the Ragged Shover, and this Rameir Simcha's 
was Mamalamakam, the Rav after him, and a couple other Rabbanim were moved over to this new base Akfaris. It's in the middle of a Gaisha municipal cemetery. There's a Jewish section, a couple hundred Kfarim there. So that's the, here's the cover of Rameir Simcha, Bram Shimshon Kleinimis, Mechaber um, Sefer of, what does it say over here, Arsameach. Meshachachma, and he was Nifter, Dalad Elul, Tafresh Pevav, 1926. Today's Bez Elul, that means Wednesday, is his 93rd yard site, Rameir Simcha. Um, obviously, those of you know, my Shaykh is with the Meshachachma, so this was a very important place. This whole trip was just to get me here, actually. Um, <laughs> and be honest, I'm all honesty. Got me here, 19 years, Baruch Hashem, I've been learning Meshachachma, so Baruch Hashem. Here's another picture of the uh, Matseva. Next to him is the Ragachover. Here you can see it says Ragachover, Rabbi Yosef Ragachover, who was the Hasidish Rav in Dvinsk. There were two Rabbanim in Dvinsk. Rameir Simcha was of the non Hasidim, the Ragachover was of the Hasidim. And it's interesting, right next to him it says, Pai Nignezu Sifre Taira, the Kisve Kaidesh. Here they buried Sifre Taira and Kisve Kaidesh. Kahalacha, like the Halacha says, Eitzel Tsiyon Ish Kaidesh. Next to the kever of an Ish Kaidesh, Shekal HaTaira Klula Boy. That all the Taira was included in. In the, in the Ish Kaidish, the Ragachavar, so next to him they buried, um, they buried um, these things. The Ragachavar was Nifter, again, Ramir Simcha was Nifter in 1926, the Ragachavar was Nifter in 1936, um, ten years later. The Ragachavar was actually Nifter in Vienna, um, he had gone there for prostate surgery. Um, my Zayder of Kreiser, Tichayin Levracha, just if, when, if you notice in the map, as we showed, Dvinsk is all the way up in the north. Vienna is all the way in the south, so you have to take a train all the way down Latvia, Lithuania, um, through Poland. And um, at that time, my Zayder of Kreiser in 1936 was a bacher, and he heard that the Ragachavar was on the train, so he borrowed some money to get on the train, and he was able to stay, talk to him in learning till the border of Poland. He wasn't allowed out of Poland, and he was on the train with him. Um, he spoke to him in learning there. He was Nifter in Vienna, and then they took him all the way back up to Dvinsk um, to, be, uh, to be buried. So that was the Ragachavar. Here again, here's just a picture of the two kvarim next to each other. Um, this was the, the Rav after Amir Simcha was someone named Rabbi Hanan Kayen. He was only Rav for a few years. Um, he was very close to the Rav Chaim Salavechik, and uh, he's buried next to, um, to, um, to Rameir Simcha. Okay, so that's, was, that was Dvinsk, all the way up here, as you see. Um, again, here's Vilna. Now we make our trek back. Our trek back is to get us to Kovna. Um, now, as we went on the way, we went through a city called Yanov. Um, some, now, it's not the Yanov uh, from the Esraigim, that's in Greece. Um, Yanov, there's a famous Rabbanim, the Telzers know also, Reb Chaim Stein had an uncle, the Makar Baruch, called the Yanov Arav, as we'll see in, a, in, in Vilna, another cover of a different Yanov Arav. We mamish went through the town of Yanov. What we didn't know is we also went through this town. We found out afterwards. What's it called, Nahum? Yeah, right. In, in Yiddish, it's called Vilkamir. Vilkamir was also a famous town. The Panovich Rav was a Rav there, and um, Rabbi Dessler, senior Zechariah Levracha, learned in the, uh, in the day school in Vilkamir. Uh, they sent him all the way from Kelm, wherever that was up here, to Vilkamir. So we had passed through it, we just didn't know about it. But Yanev, we did know about it. We got off there, Yanev, we went through, and um, then we made it here to Kovna. It's already about 5 o'clock in the evening, because just make the Cheshman. We left Vilna at 9.30 in the morning. We got there about 12, till we found the Kever was about 12.40. We left there about 1.30, and now we're back, made a little stop. 
and now we're back in Kavna. First place we went in Kavna, the first place we actually went was to the old Beis Akvaris, which we just saw from the outside, which was where Abitza Kochan Inspector used to be, but they moved him. It's just a totally broken down place. They're trying a little bit now. Ruven Dester told me they have security cameras that they just put in recently to try to protect the place, but it's pretty broken down. Then we went to this place, Akvaris. Here you have the cover of the Dvar Avram. Again, from people in the yeshiva days, remember the Dvar Avram, um, <coughs> who was the Rav of of Kavna, and he was in the Kavna ghetto. He was Taka Nifter. He was Nifter in 1943 in the Kavna ghetto, and he was buried um, over here. Um, next to him is Rebaruch Harvitz, who was Rashiv and Slabodka. He was married to one of the famous Frank daughters. He was a brother-in-law of Rabbi Shemarotcha Epstein and Rabbi Zalman Meltzer. Famous Frank daughters. They were Yusimus, but their father left over money. They should only marry Gedele Taira. So he was one of um, those uh, sons-in-law. And he was a Rosh Hashiva in Slabodka. And he was Nifter in uh, Tafresh Sadivav is 1936. Um, here's again. You just see a little closer. Um, his the top of his matseva, and actually this is the inside of the oil. That's his that's his kever inside there. <coughs> then you go to the other side of the Beis Akvaris. Here is the kever of Rabbi Yitzchok Inspector, the Kavnerov, who was nifter in eighteen ninety six, together with his son, is also in there as well. Look closely, you can see Rabbi Yitzchok Inspector, and this is his son, Ritzvi Rabinovich. He had a little different name than him. I don't know the details of that. And um, Rabbi Tzolchanan was uh, Rabban Shalkovne Agayla. He actually is the one who is actually the one who made the Kavna Kailo together with Yisrael Salanter. Kavna Kailo, which many of our Gedailim um, learned in. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky learned there. Um, and uh, rebellious face father learned there. Both Rebellion and Shmuel were born in Kavna, actually, when their fathers were in the Kavna Kailo. Rebellious father was actually from Dvinsk originally. Um, but they were born in, uh, both born in Kavna. They were childhood friends, Rebellion and Bodechai and Reb Shmuel. And that was part of the Kavna Kailo. And this is their cover, Rebitzuchan Inspector. Now, Rebitzuchan Inspector, interesting story, just to say over here. Um, Avram Kohn, Barry Kohn, Avram Barry Kohn. We have two Avram Kohns. Um, his grandmother actually was from Kavna, and when she went to America, she got a bracha for Abitzakochanan that if she raises her children, if she um, if she raises her children, she'll be yamim. And she was taka lived uh, way over a hundred. And uh, someone told me her Bianco Kohn's father got the same bracha, and he also lived to way over a hundred. Um, it seems that was Rebitzakochanan going to the Golden of Medina wasn't simple, so he gave them a bracha that if they, you know, they keep their, their kids al darachatayra, they'll be zeichatarichas yamin. Um, in there also is a kever achim, a mass grave of it was reburied from uh, from somewhere else. Uh, from the Kavna Ghetto. You see, it's from the Kavna Ghetto. These are the bane of the bones from the Kavna Ghetto um, that uh, it was burnt down, it was Fabrent in 1944. It was burnt down, the, Gov- the Kavna Ghetto, we'll get to that soon. And um, they were buried in, uh, reburied in 19, uh, 1979. Ramad Chat you might remember him, we quoted him a few times on Tishabav. He actually, after the war, he went through the Kavna Ghetto, all the bombed out buildings, and buried all the Mason from there. Um, <clears throat> okay, this is the famous bridge that went from Kovna to Slabodka. Slabodka was a little um, suburb of Kovna. 
The altar from Slabotka used to say this bridge only goes in one direction, from Kavna to Slabotka. Once you get to Slabotka, you're a different person, bridge doesn't go the other way. Um, this actually, um, okay, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, this used to freeze over this river. Here we got to, some of you might remember this, this is the house of my Shver's grandfather, the Teres Avram and Avram Grzynski, Hashem Yikrem Damai was killed in the Kavna Ghetto. We'll get to that in a moment. This is his house, 9 Panera Street. In those days, I think it was 14 or 13. It was 15. It was a different number in the, in the, in the 1920s and 30s. But um, this, home, this house was actually owned by his father-in-law, who was also a mashkiach in Slavodka, Rabbi David Tzvi Heller, who was the father-in-law also of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. And um, in this house, um, after Rabbi David Tzvi Heller moved to Eretz Yisrael, so Rabbi Avram Grzynski lived on the bottom, and he rented out some of the, it's a very, it's a very big house, he rented some of this out. Um, the uh, cu- the uh, Rebetzin Rishel Cutler, her family, um, her sister Rebetzin Sarna, and um, their family, the Friedmans, from Arya Malkiel Friedman, actually uh, rented the rooms upstairs. They lived upstairs. He had been a big veer in Memel, which is way northwest um, in Lithuania. When the Russians came in and, and communized everything, he lost all his money, so he moved here and he wanted to be near the yeshiva, and he rented a room taka from them. They lived upstairs. So this is the house. Um, we didn't go in, and it's interesting, one of my cousins asked me, "How come? did you go in? I said, I'll tell you the truth, I don't want to go in. I'd rather remember the house in my dreams, that this is a house that there were tons of B'nai Taira here, Rabbi Hanan Wasserman was in here learning, especially as we'll see in a moment in the 1941, when the, uh, when the Nazis came in, all the B'nai Taira were in this house, Rabbi Hanan was taken from this house, they were learning, you read Rabbitson Volba's book, Zimvalba is my is the daughter of the Tyrus Avram, my Shver's aunt, and she wrote a book. All that was going on there, it was on all three floors. There were just B'nai Tyro sitting and learning. So I don't, what do I have to see? Goyim in the house and all of a sudden remember a Goyish house. That's not what the house is. My uncle, Rabbi Yitzhak Grzynski, who's still alive, the son of Rabbi of of Rab Avram, he also, someone, he says, uh, he was actually in the area and um, Rabbi Chaim Sarna wanted to take him to see the house. And he says, well, what do I have to go see Goyim in my house? Like, what do I need it for? So anyway, so that's what I wasn't, uh, we peeked in a little bit, I get a little curious, but um, they don't like it, they're not, uh, but you pay them a couple, uh, you know, dollars to let you in, but it, well, I really wasn't interested. This is the back of the house, Rabbi Chanan said sheer over here. Um, it was it was the Nazis had come in and there were pogroms in the end of, in, the, in, in, uh, in, in 1941, and um, somewhere here is a door, and I'm not sure exactly which one it is, a door that leads to the upstairs. In other words, the stairs to the upstairs is not from the inside, it's from the outside. Rabbi Hanan was sitting in the doorway learning when the, well, they're really Lithuanians, they're not Nazis, they came and they took him away uh, together with 11 or 12 Bacharim from this house in 1941. They marched them, as we'll see, to the seventh fort to be killed. So it was here in this backyard that it happened. Before the Nazis came in, my uh, Rabbi Avram told Rabbi Hanan, you just have to say a shir in Hilchus Kiddush Hashem. And he says, you say a shir and I'll say a shmuz. And Rabbi Hanan said, what? I have to pre-. He says, yes, you got to go, prepare a shir with Yeshiv Adas, prepare a shir. Rabbi Hanan gave a shir in Hilchus Kiddush Hashem. Rabbi Avram gave a shmuz. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, they were taken. Rabbi Avram wasn't, but uh, Rabbi Hanan was taken together with Rabbi Hanan's son, together with one of Rabbi Avram's sons. They were taken to be killed um, from this house. 
From there we went to the hospital. Now, Rabbi Avram Grzynski was in the Slabodka, the Kovna ghetto for all three years of the ghetto. The ghetto was from 1941 when the Nazis came in till 1944. Um, and he was there all the years. We mechazek all the Bachram. They used to come every week for a shmooz. And a ninth, in Chof Aleph Tammuz, of 1941, the Nazis liquidated the ghetto. It was coming really to the end of the war. We talked about this in Adrasha. Really, the Russians had already um, um, liberated Vilna, but it took them three weeks to get to Kovna. And um, the Nazis, you know, liquidated it. And he was in the hospital of Avram. They had beat him and his, he had leg issues. And he was in the hospital and his Talmud came and he says, Take me to the, you know, to the square to be, lick, you know, to, and, and they, they tried to lift him and he was, it was too much pain and they left him there. And um, unfortunately the next day, Chavbeis Tammuz, the Nazis burned down the hospital with him inside together with a lot of Kedoshim inside. So it was on this, uh, on this place that it happened. There's a little memorial over here that it was burned down. So what happened here was, now we were there on Chafal of Tammuz. Chaf Tam was the day of the liquidation. It was Wednesday evening. Chaf Beis Tam was the next day. Was the seventy-fifth yard site of that burning down of Rabbi Avram being burnt down. So here I called my uncle Rebitzah Grzinski, my great uncle, so the son of Rabbi Avram, who had been in the Kovna ghetto too. He had been taken to the labor camps that day on, uh, when the ghetto was liquidated. He spoke to us for about he spoke to us for about ten minutes. Um, about the Kedoshim and about his father and about the ghetto and different things. It was really an unbelievable mime um, there as we spoke to him. And then we made a Kalmale for all the Kedoshim. I had my shver on the phone. We made a Kalmale for all the Kedoshim that were killed, including Rabbi Avram, on his, uh, you know, coming towards the 75th yard site. It was a... Uh, okay, from there we went to the 7th Fort. The 7th Fort is where they marched Rabbi Hanan three years earlier. So we're going back in time a little bit. And those uh, Yidin, those Yungal, and those... Uh, Tamida Yeshiva to be killed. Around Kovna there's forts, the 7th fort, the ninth fort that the Russians had built in the late 1800s to uh, protect the city and the Nazis used it as killing grounds and this is the uh, wall of the 7th fort. You go through that little, this thing over here to get to the place and this is, uh, this wasn't here the last time I was here. There's a little matzev uh, here, mass grave of people, mostly Kovna Jews murdered in July 1941. That was when, what we're talking about over here, just to see where it is over here. This is a wall here. It's just, just a grassy area, a grassy knoll. You see me looking down. It's like on a hill. You're on a hill and you're looking down into where these Kedoshim were killed. We're saying Animam in there. We're saying Habet there. It was a really emotional place. A lot of us and boys, as you get to Yeshiva, Rabbi Hanan is a, is a staple of learning um, in the Yeshiva, you know, in the Yeshiva, Yeshiva Shemasechtas. So it was a very emotional time. So this is now Tuesday night. I'm sorry, Wednesday night. And we're driving now. Here's Kavna. We're, again, here's Yanova. Again, we came all the way up from here. And we're now back to Vilna. And we got to Vilna Wednesday evening. And... Uh, Okay, that's Wednesday evening. Now, I didn't realize this. We only found it out the next morning, Thursday morning. I didn't hop it exactly. Right next to our ho hotel was actually the old Jewish cemetery of Vilna. If you remember, I said before, the Russians came in, said they're building stuff, destroyed cemeteries, and didn't build anything. So, um, this is where the Vilna guy used to be, as we'll see where he is now. He was moved over. The Chai Adam is still here. 
uh, the Beragayla. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of big big gedolim who are buried here, and it was mamish right next door to our uh, hotel. This is it. It's just a, uh, it's just an you know just the open area. Unfortunately, now there's been a big thing in the news. They want to build on it, so there's been a big uh, uproar now. Um, you know, for uh, for this that they shouldn't build on this. But this is all Kivrei Yisrael of G'dayle Oilam right here. <coughs> then we went to the um, next cemetery, also an older cemetery, and we saw outside over there tons and tons of Matzevas. They were either cleaning them up, or I don't know exactly what they were doing. <coughs> they were clearing up. But again, like throughout all the cemeteries, the Matzevas are all destroyed and everything, and they had them in this big enclosed area. I don't know, you could just cut them up for sure, hundreds, maybe even more, probably thousands of Matzevas that are being cleaned up here from this cemetery. Now this cemetery also was destroyed a lot by the uh, by the government, and what happened was the actual place, actually this this part over here um, where this is, is really Kivrei Yisrael. Also, this was all cemetery, but they 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 they, they you know they, they built over it. There's a building over here in this in this direction, and right at the edge of the cemetery is the kever of Rebaruch Bar Leibowitz. Rebaruch Bar Leibowitz was a whole famous story a few years ago. How they found his kever. It wasn't so simple. No one knew where it was, and it was all, and they they figured out and they used. Um, or well, they used the ultrasound or whatever to look because his kever was actually the only kever that went a different direction than the other kfarim. That's how they squeezed him in near his father. It was a few years ago. And it's mamish on the edge of this, of the Beis HaKvars. Like, if they would have, uh, you know, built the road five feet more, they, they would have destroyed his kever as well. So here's a big matzeva of Rebarch Bar Libowitz. Here you could see it's, it's mamish at the edge here. And it's going in this direction. All, here's a, all the other kfarim go in this direction. And his kever is going in this direction. It's mamish at the edge here. See, this building here, this is all part of the Beis HaKvars. All about the Beis HaKvars. They destroyed it till here. And mamish, this is the edge. Now, I think this is a path. They said he was buried right on the path. So I think this was the path. That was one of the simanim that they found, um, that they found, that they knew it was Taka, his, his kever. They put up on Matzev a few years ago. Then we went to the new base Akvaris, and this is the oil of the Vilna Gain. So we'll see a sign in a moment. Here you see, oil uh, Hagra, um, Hagain, and the Afer of the Gertzadik, Ravram Ben Avram, um, was moved over as well. In the old Beis HaKvaris, he was together with the Vilna Gain. This is the inside. This is the Vilna Gain's kever. This is his matzeva. Um, you know, if you're curious who the others are, you could do a Google search, and you'll find, I found the guy who wrote a whole... Um, whole paper about it. He has a stira between two art scroll books um, who lift off different kvarim, one from 1970-something, one from 1980-something. Anyways, it seems to me, it seems that the maskana is that it's the Vilna Gain and some of his family members that were moved over. Um, I, I don't know what the each matzeva actually says. Um, but that's the Vilna Gain, and somewhere in there is also the ashes of Rabbi Avram and Avram, the Gertzadik of Vilna. From there we went in the new Beis HaKvaris is Reb Chaim Oizer Gazinski, who was also moved over from, the, from one of the other Beis HaKvaris, from the one I think where Baruch Ber was, I think he was moved over. He was Nifter in 1940, Ches Menachemov, 1940, and it says his bones were moved over together with the three Kvarim near him, which is Achiv, his brother, here's Reb Chaim Oizer, his daughter, he had a daughter who was Nifter, a uh, single daughter, and his, and his wife. Um, over there also is the kever of Rabitzel Panovitcher, 
That was in the also Yeshivish uh, Masechtas. He learned Rebitzel Panovich. Uh, Panovich was also moved over. It says here was moved over in 1969. Um, was moved over. And next to him, I'm not sure who it is, but it must have been another Hagoyin, Rabbeinu Yaakov Halevi, also someone who must have been also probably in Panovich, and that's why he's right next to Rebitzel um, Panovich. Um, over here also is someone named Reb Chaim Silman. Reb Chaim Silman was the Rav in Yanov. As we said, we, met, we went through Yanov. He was the Rav before Reb Chaim Stein's uncle in the Makar Baruch. It says over here that he was a Bucky in Bavli, Yeshalmi, Sifra, Sifri, Rishainim, Vachrainim, Raidev Tzedekah Vachesed. He was a Rav in Yanov, and, um, and uh, so he's buried over there also in the Vilna Cemetery. I went to the Vilna Shul. This picture is not from this trip, but I didn't have a picture from this trip of some look like this. It's from the last trip, as you could see, from 2016. Just so you can see a picture of the Vilna Shul. This is, there were over 100 shuls in Vilna before the war. This is the only remaining shul. Um, this is me giving a drasha on the Vilna Shul. Okay, I, that's it. That's, anyone falling asleep here? Okay. Um, all right, here you see the sign outside. I love this sign. Because I'm a Misnagid. Those who followed Vilna Gain, they built it in the year 1903. That was like how they stelled it Avek. The, the Misnagdim, Nachfolgers of Vilna Gain. So um, this is now upstairs, and there was a matzah baking machine. Some of you might remember it from last time. There's this electric matzah baking machine upstairs in the Ezra's Nashim. The truth is, the show was being redone. Um, was, was being renovated. Part of it was, um, we couldn't even get to. It's being re renovated. Upstairs also there was a map, a picture of a map of all the, sh this is Lithuania, all the Jewish cities. Look how many Jewish. See, every, every five feet there's another Jewish shtetl. Again, the shtetl might have had 20 Yidin in it, you know. Um, a lot of our big gedolim came from uh, Suval, Chaim came from, these places, uh, they had 20 families, but these were all, uh, and this is, and, and that's it, they were all destroyed. This is Lithuania. You know, there was no, there was no gas chambers in those years. In 1941, when the Nazis came in, they just shot everyone in mass graves, and that was it. And that's Lithuania's one big uh, kevarachim of, of our people. Okay, so now this is Thursday. Again, that was Thursday morning. We had a one o'clock flight out of Vilna to stop over in Frankfurt on the way back. Um, we got there to the, uh, what's it called? To the airport and in Germany, in this whole Western Europe, there was a heat wave. It was 105 degrees in Frankfurt, and everything was breaking down. Planes and, 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 and trucks, and everything was breaking down, and the government mandated um, they have to take uh, breaks, the, the workers. So anyways, our flight that was supposed to take us to Frankfurt was coming from Frankfurt. Well, the plane broke down mechanically, they had to get a new plane. So we were two hours delayed, and we only had a two-hour stopover. So it was a bit of an issue. They told us, sure, sure, no problem. You're going to make it. No problem. We got to Frankfurt with about 24 minutes to spare until um, we got off the plane. And we ran about six miles up four flights of stairs. And um, by the first two sprinters who made it ahead and got to the, our flight, they were just closing the door. And they said, have a great day. So that was it. So we missed the flight. Again, this is Thursday afternoon, about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so we missed the flight in Frankfurt. What's my next picture here? Okay, so we missed the flight in Frankfurt. So now we were stuck in Frankfurt overnight um, together with 
hundreds and hundreds of other people. Um, they put us up in a hotel. They fi- we figured out it took about three hours to figure out how we we're going to hopefully get back for Shabbos um, to figure to get us all back. And uh, they put us in a hotel that, um, I don't know, we should have slept in the airport or the shul or on a bench somewhere would have been better because there was no air conditioning in this place and whatever. Meanwhile, if you remember, we missed the old base Aquarius on the first day of Monday. So now I knew a guy that I once took who has a key to every base Aquarius in Germany. Um, I don't know how he has the key, but he has them. So I called him. I said, Yoram, are you in town? So he says, no, he wasn't there on Monday. So he says, no, I'm coming back from Hamburg up here. I'll be in town. I'm driving back. I'll be there in about two and a half hours. So I said, Yoram, we're stuck here. He goes, but then I'm leaving to Italy like an hour later. I said, Yoram, we're stuck here. We got to go to the, to the old base Aquarius. So we felt it was like a big Ashkocha Pratis. He picked us up about... And he helped us arrange food as well. We had no food there. They gave us a voucher, but didn't help us with anything. Um, so about 9.30, a quarter to 10 at night, he picked us up and he took us to the old base Aquarius. Remember our old base Aquarius here with the little names on the side over here? This is from the other side. Now just, this is coming from the other side. This over here, you see on the ground here, is like marked off. This was a shul, actually. You can see it here as well. This was a shul that was destroyed on Kristallnacht. There's a... Um, there's a, a sign somewhere here. I remember it from the last time. So this was a shul on this area. It was destroyed on, on Kristallnacht. It's right, Mamish, right outside the Beisach Forest. So they have it like marked off here as a zikaron for it. Um, now, this is not from this trip again, but just so you'll be able to see it during the daytime, the inside of the, of the old Beisach Forest. This is the Chelkas Harabonim. Now, um, they put up the Matzevas again, I would assume after the war, they knew where they went, as we'll see in a moment who these are. But here, this one's going to be the Pnei Yeshua. This is Reb Nassan Adler. Behind it over here is the Hafla. Next to him, in behind the Rosh Adler, is the Hafla's son. And again, you could see over here, see these matzevas on the wall. If you remember, like we showed before, after the war, they just took the matzevas they could find and they put them up. So this is the cover of Reb Nassan Adler. Um, you could see over here a little bit. It says Reb Nassan Adler. Um, I have a better picture. Uh, this is a daytime picture to see it. Nasen, I'm sorry, Nasen Ben Harabani something. So this is the the um, the cover of Nasen Adler. Nasen Adler was the Rebbe of the Chassam Seifer. Um, the Baal Shem of, of Michelstadt was the Talmud of Reb Nasen Adler as well. So this is his cover. He was a Kayan, as you see from the thing. Next to him is the Pnei Yeshua. The Pnei Yeshua was the Enikol of the Megine Shleimer that we saw two years ago in Krakow. Uh, again, the Pnei Yeshua is for the you know you, is a, is a staple in learning in the yeshivas and the yeshivas shemasechtas. Very meaningful, you know, to us when you have the people you learn their Torah. This is the Hafla. This is the Hafla. This is again. I just this is the same one in the daytime, so you could see his name. Repinchas Halevi Ish Harowitz was the Rav of Frankfurt. Again, he was one of some cipher was the Talmud of. Reb Nassim Adler, and again, here's the, the kever. Reb Nassim Adler, and he was a Talmud. Aflo was the Rav of Frankfurt when he was there. And um, I, I pointed out that I, I saw brought down somewhere that Reb Nassim Adler, see, he was like a Mekubal a little bit, and that's made a lot of problems in Frankfurt. He had to leave. They put him in Cherem. If you remember last year, he was in a city called Baskowitz together with the, with the, with the Chassam Seifer. And um, so he dochened every single day. But he, they used to ask him to come to the main shul on Shalosh Regalim to Duchen. So he used to come to the main shul and they would um, 
bring the water up to the Mizrachvant because the Hafla was a levy. So he would wash Ibnas and Adler's hands. So they would bring the water up to the Mizrachvant. The Kahneman didn't have to leave. They brought them up, they brought the water up to him, and he would turn to the Ibnas and Adler and wash his hands up there at the Mizrachvant. That was uh, Hafla held Ibnas and Adler very much, but since it was just made too much tumul, especially with Shabsite Svi types of things and things like that, that uh, he had to actually throw Reb Nassan Adler out of Frankfurt, and uh, he left, he ended up coming back, but that was Reb Nassan Adler, and that was uh, the Afla, those again, in the Yeshiva Shemesechta, the Afla, the Makna, uh, his Pirish on uh, Chumash is called the Panem Yafas, and he was from the big. So to us it was a big thing that we were able to come back here, and in that, in that Beis HaKvaris is also the mother of the Chassam Seifer. The Chassam Seifer was from Frankfurt, his mother, Rezala, was, Rezal was, her kever is here, in um, in Frankfurt as well, and it's a very Masuga took a place. I found that afterwards also that for people um, who who don't have children, it's a place to go daven as well. A lot of mifsim happened at her kever. Um, um, yeah, so that's that's hers. Now this interesting thing again. This picture is not from this year. I want to point it out, but I saw last time there was on the wall here in Frankfurt. It said that somewhere in this Beis Hakvaris is the Maram Shif. The Maram Shif, who was Nifter in 1644. Um, so somewhere in this space, Akvaris is Remer Ben Yaakov. Now, um, he show, now just again to show you what the base Akvaris looks like. Again, when they found Matsevas, they just either they put them on the wall, they put them up against the wall. So this is just to show you what it looks like. So our tour guide Yoram said he found the matzeva of the Maram Shif. I don't know if he mamish himself found it, but this is the matzeva was against the wall, like one of like one of these against the wall. He found it. So this is not actually his place. Um, one second, let me just see what my next thing is here. Okay, so this is actually his place. If you could see closely, somewhere you could see it says here Mayor. Ben Ben Mirena Rav Yaakov, right? And that was uh, that was that was his name over here, Mayor Ben Mirena Rav Yaakov. So that was the the cover of the Ram Shiftas. To me, also that was a big thing. The Ram Shifts in the back of the Gemara um, also learned uh, often um, by people. Okay, so this is Thursday night. We got back to the hotel. Uh, with some food about 11.30, 12 o'clock at night. We had to be out of the hotel at 4.30 in the morning. From 4th, we got on a flight from Frankfurt to Brussels. And that's, uh, we, just in case we get stuck there, we thought we'll go to Antwerp, to London. We had it all planned out. And then we flew from Brussels to Toronto, arriving at 1 o'clock on Friday afternoon, as all of you, I'm sure, remember. For sure the ladies do. And... Um, one o'clock, we were on the road by two, and Baruch Hashem, we were home at 7.25 p.m., just in time for an 8.31 Lichtsend, Baruch Hashem, and that was the excitement of our trip, and we hope, you know, that the Rabbi Nisham was Mekabel, our Tfilis and all these places, we davened, and Bez uh, Hashem, we should be Zoycha to live up to the legacy that, uh, you know, that we were at all these Gedalim that we were Zoycha to be at. Amen. Amen.